Welcome to the Spark Revolution podcast, featuring the Phoenix Spark Innovation Team from Travis Air Force Base, California. Spark is Travis Air Force Base's innovation cell created in 2016 by a group of airmen who are tired of accepting the status quo. This podcast is a collaborative discussion on disruptive innovation with you, the airmen, who are hungry to solve problems at the lowest level. Join the revolution. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, We just got back from the 2019 Airlift Tanker Association Convention and Symposium down in Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida! Just uh, five to ten minutes from Disneyland. Uh, We didn't get to see Mickey or Minnie, but we definitely saw a ton of innovative-minded airmen. And if you would believe it, uh, innovative-minded general officers and above uh, who were super, super uh, excited to see what we had to offer. And and maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way, but, uh, you know... uh, we often talk about the frozen middle, or as I like to call it, the unconvinced middle. And I think they convinced us during uh, ATA. I don't know if you guys agree, but I think they convinced us while down there that uh, they cared deeply uh, about advancing uh, innovative efforts and capabilities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, everything that we had to show, uh, everybody was just completely on board. And they're looking forward to bringing them back to their airmen. On to our innovator of the week. For this uh, time, we're, we're going to be going with Mass Sergeant Whitney. He approached us with a unique problem statement that's affecting all three major weapon systems here at Travis. And uh, it's a an issue of them receiving back uh, their Stratus receivers with broken USB-C. So uh, talk to us just really briefly. What What is a Stratus? What is a Stratus receiver? So this Stratus receiver is a commercial off-the-shelf product that uh, is typically used in general aviation that we've decided to use in uh, the military. It essentially provides air crews with increased situational awareness while they fly. Mm-hmm. So it can provide uh, information about traffic uh, that's around them. It can provide weather information. It can also provide uh, information on whatever airport uh, is in the database. Nice. and. The air crews have decided to go with this solution because their airplanes, their old airplanes, don't currently provide the information, right? So it's air crews that are hungry for as much situational awareness as possible and using a commercial off-the-shelf product to solve said problem. And that's one of the great things we do here at Phoenix Park. Yeah. So so when you're talking about the Stratus, uh, this, this uh, commercial off-the-shelf product, is this something that's like built into the aircraft? Is it something separate? Uh, describe, uh, what is this thing? So it's something that uh, crews check out every time uh, they they go on either a local sortie or they go on a worldwide mission. Mm. Either way, it's being checked out uh, by typically, you know, a a junior co-pilot and uh, the crews take it with them uh, all around the world. Okay. Uh, Size of a phone, size of a boombox? The size of, you know, iPhone uh, 11 XR. Okay. Uh, Probably weighs uh, not much more than that. Nice. And uh, so... So if I understand correctly, you're saying that the USB-C breaks on there or parts of it break. How's that happening? Yeah, so this Stratus mount is uh, utilizes suction to attach uh, itself to the windows. And as you, you can tell with ever-changing environmentals uh, in an airplane with temperature pressures and, and, and what have you, the suction is not holding up uh, to, the, uh, to the rigors of, of flying airplanes. Um, and so when it falls, it falls on the USB-C cable, uh, which 
of course, breaks the input uh, to the Stratus. And uh, our tactic shop here is receiving a lot of them uh, with broken parts. Okay. So then uh, Master Sergeant Whitney comes in to the uh, Spark Lab and says, hey, this thing is... and says that it's falling and breaking. And so what, what do you guys say to him? How do you coach him to a solution? Does he come up with a solution? What, what happens from that point? Very unlike uh, what we would normally do with CPI, you know, which is throw a thousand stickies on the wall mm-hmm. to figure out what the problem is. Uh, we just kind of quickly uh, use what the SME knows about what's happening and then our general knowledge of the innovation space and what kind of uh, tools we have at our disposal, right? So the problem isn't that the USB-C is breaking. The problem is that it's falling from its mounted position. Yeah. And that was, we came to that conclusion after maybe five minutes of talking. Okay. So the root cause of this thing is that it's not sticking to where it's supposed to. So I'm assuming it's not something hard fixed to the to the jet. It's, uh, it's something that's checked out. You have to go and stick it onto a window because of the pressure changes. It's fallen off of wherever it's sticking to. And so from that point, how do you guys go and, and iterate the solution to it? And I mean, can you talk to me a little bit about what that uh, uh, brainstorm looks like and how you came to a solution for this problem and help Master Sergeant Whitney out? So this follows very much the electronic flight bag or aircrew iPad mm-hmm. problems that we had several years ago, where air crews and maintainers wanted to de- jointly develop a solution where we could uh, mount a commercial uh, type mount onto the actual airplane without modifying it so that we didn't need to go through a long test evaluation uh, approval process that typically has to be done whenever you modify an airplane. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of used the same spirit. So a uh, another shout out to another great uh, innovator that approached us with a similar issue, Captain uh, Nick, had uh, actually prototyped a GoPro claw uh, to mount the Stratus onto the airplane. So we took that kind of first iterative uh, solution and our folks 3D printed something that could interface between the commercial off-the-shelf GoPro claw and the Stratus uh, mounting uh, device, which is plastic. Nice. That was 3D modeled and printed in approximately two weeks and rigged onto uh, the prototype. And then we went to go fly with it uh, just a couple of weeks ago yeah. uh, on a local sortie. And I think it held up pretty well for, a, for an initial design. But that's what... One of our strengths is uh, here in the lab is actually digging down to the actual problem and solving that versus oftentimes a lot of folks come into our lab uh, with something that's not the actual problem. Sure. Yeah. And that's great. So uh, Master Sergeant Whitney came in uh, with this issue of the stratus breaking. You guys helped him iterate through the problem, uh, find out that it had to do with uh, the pressure changes and sticking uh, the mount into the actual jet. You didn't do anything to modify the jet, but you went in there and used something that somebody else had innovated um, with the GPS claw and then was able to go and put that stratus mount in there and it's holding up to the rigors of uh, everything. And so for, for the listeners that, that aren't military out there and you're thinking like, well, you know, man, I'm sitting back in first class or coach out on an American Airlines flight. And, you know, how, how tough and durable does this thing have to be? Um, let me tell you, I've been on one of these local missions before with these guys and they're doing touch and goes and um, some of them are pretty rough. So, so uh, when you're thinking of why it falls and, and how could that happen, uh, you have to think of 
what exactly the the austere environments that these pilots are going and landing these jets in. So uh, kudos to Mass Sergeant Whitney, and thanks for helping us talk through that problem. Hey, Chris, can you just iterate through why were we invited to ATA? So a couple of months ago, General Miller and Chief Green visited Travis Air Force Base on their uh, big tour of Air Mobility Command's uh, wings. Obviously, being uh, biased, we're one of the best wings out there. So uh, we had the uh, great opportunity to um, have her here in our Spark Lab. We showcased all of the airman-led innovations uh, that have been going on, whether that's in-house rapid prototyping through agile manufacturing methods like 3D printing, or connecting airmen to small business innovation research companies. And one of the things they really enjoyed was our augmented reality, virtual reality portfolio. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, with that augmented reality, virtual reality portfolio, which uh, we've been kicking butt in, if I may say, um, you know, we're really aimed towards taking training to the future, um, thinking of uh, innovative ways to really progress how we're going to get information out via public affairs or through training platforms, be it with the pilots or with uh, operators on the ground. Um, and so we can see how they were so excited um, to go and, and see these, these innovative uh, ideas and this technology really bringing forward um, how we're going to go and progress. I think the, the big difference, right, is that we're actualizing innovation here. A lot of people, there's a lot of innovation for out there. But one of our big things is stamping out the fora and actually getting to the innovative piece that's actually uh, producing cost savings, time savings, and improvement in the quality of life of our airmen, yeah. quality of service. Yeah. And and so remind me, so they were here and they're seeing all these things and they're super excited to see it. So how does that actually turn into an invite to ATA? And, and what was the expectation of uh, the Spark Lab going out there? Roughly their sentiments were... I want to see this at ATA, whether that was during John Miller's keynote speech or whether that was going to be an exhibitor booth. Uh, ultimately, we, we did end up uh, with an exhibitor booth. Yeah. And so the exhibitor booth, right? So I'm sure that there were hundreds of other spark cells out there showing off uh, some of the same innovations that they had, correct? No. Ah, oh, Wow. I think I knew the answer to that one before I said it. Uh, so Travis Air Force Base was the only uh, spark cell that was out there. Um, and we were able to go and demonstrate that uh, augmented reality, virtual reality portfolio, either in-house or ones that we have connected through that server process. Well, Brian, I think the answer to your question is, without a doubt, Phoenix Spark. We're at a unique intersection between the airmen's, their problem statements, and the folks that can actually help us affect the change on a budgetary, legal, contracting level. And through the Small Business Innovation Research Program, you know, which has really gotten hot in the last six months, I think we have uh, actualized AFWorks' idea of connecting airmen and their compelling problem statements to companies and their compelling commercial off-the-shelf solutions. Brian, one of the senior leaders that we got a chance to talk to was the uh, or is the deputy director of logistics engineering and force protection at Air Mobility Command staff. Miss Lee uh, had great insights for us and uh, seemed extremely incited, excited about what we had to offer. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to go and and throw the uh, uh, virtual reality uh, C5 Loadmaster training that's currently being developed with uh, Senior Airman Tim 
on her head and she was just over the moon excited about how do we get this training to our airmen. Um, and so she, she wanted uh, to know kind of what the perils and pitfalls were of of getting this out, um, wanted to learn more about the uh, three-phased SIBRA process, and then also what she could do to help uh, in that arena. And so we had an extensive talk about um, how during that, that phase two process or all the way up to there, uh, the Air Force really doesn't have any skin in the game. I mean, there's no, there's no money that's coming from the unit level up to that point. And so whenever it comes to the phase three process, and it turns over to traditional contracting methods. How do we find that money? How do we convince the unconvinced that that innovation is gonna is gonna do what we promise it's going to do? Yeah, because that money doesn't exist here at the installation level, right? I mean, we'd like to contract company X to do virtual reality training across the installation. However, Phoenix Park doesn't have the money. The wing staff agency doesn't have the money. The wing commander doesn't have that kind of money. So where do we get it from? And I think this is a great conversation because the SIBR is a relatively new thing for installation levels. Air Force Research Laboratory has been doing it for a good amount of time. We know the SBIR program has been around yeah. for more than two decades now. Yeah, since the 80s, uh, Reagan stood it up. And it's just because folks like Dr. Will Roper have really revolutionized tactical level innovation. So our ability at the tactical level to really get after our problem sets with best in class startups. Mm -hmm. And we never had access or had the ability or really been motivated by our senior leaders to do this. And this is such an amazing capability that we have here at Travis. Sure. Yeah. And so I, th I think you're absolutely right. And as we discussed earlier about being that one degree separation from the warfighter, and being able to work with these companies and, and bring exactly what we want or exactly what the warfighter wants back to the unit and then getting, again, that senior leadership buy-in from there. Um, and that's really what the conversation was, was uh, with Miss Lee. How can I help you do that? And those were her exact words. I want to help. What can I do for you? And to hear that from an SES Absolutely. is an amazing thing. Yeah. That in 2019, we're finally getting to the point where... Airmen have the ability, you know, and thanks you to the forum of ATA for allowing us to do this. But now airmen at the tactical level with compelling problem statements and really compelling products to match them up with that even these senior leaders love with just very quick cursory views of the technology. And I think they see that if airmen are excited about it, then maybe they should be excited about it too. And for us to be able to at least have that discussion for accessing pots of money that we didn't typically have so that we can get after our phase three and funding these things at the staff level, uh, that's that's a great thing. And we definitely plan on reaching out to Miss Lee and her staff so that maybe we can uh, revolutionize you know, how we fund these uh, installation level innovation projects yeah. into a traditional FAR-based uh, sole source according to the CIBRA rules, uh, traditional FAR-based sole source contract. Yeah. So so with that, uh, we'd like to raise our fresh brew to um, ATA and also to Miss Lee for standing by what we believe in and, and helping to push the envelope in the direction towards innovation.
And to General Miller for her super inspiring words uh, during her keynote, which followed the 2019 Spark Tank. And we'd like to give one final shout out to Staff Sergeant Tim from the 821st Contingency Response Squadron, one of our own very own innovators who spent a lot of time with Sergeant George to implement his 3D printed tactical airfield light. That was one of Air Mobility Command's top five finalists. Yeah, and, and Airman Tim's going to go really far. You know, it, it, just just amazing uh, what what him and uh, Zach were able to put together. With that, let's play clip one of our first ATA interview with the Travis Virtual Reality stakeholders. All right, we've got with us uh, Captain Doug Shockey, who's chief of the KC-10 Simsert uh, in California, and Joe Connolly, the CEO of Sketchbox 3D, a uh, virtual reality uh, company. You guys could just quickly introduce yourself. Yeah, Captain Doug Shockey, as Chris said, chief of the KC-10 SimCert. I uh, work at AMC staff, so essentially we do the Sim certification and courseware development uh, for the KC-10 formal training program. Yeah, my name is Joe Connolly, CEO of Sketchbox 3D, and our company builds tools to make uh, building AR and VR applications, and in this case, training simulations, uh, much faster and easier. So, Doug, uh, you know, we go way back to the East Coast at McGuire Air Force Base or, or Joint Base McGuire-Dix Lakehurst for the folks that are stationed over there. And we met Joe uh, during a Collider event, a Collider with Industry event, where several startups uh, were brought to Travis Air Force Base in partnership uh, with a venture capital firm. And uh, we were able to uh, kind of see what the commercial off-the-shelf uh, solutions they had to offer. So, Joe, if you could just, uh, you know, really get into what you guys offer. Uh, I know you gave me the, you know, the quick uh, Twitter, Twitter length uh, spiel of what you guys do, but, uh, you know, uh, kind of get into how, what kind of VR products you have. Yeah, so right now we're working with uh, Chris's team and the rest of Travis on two projects. Uh, One, the KC-10 360 video training, Doug will get into. The other one is a C5 Loadmaster training simulator. And both of these projects were built with our tools that we've developed. So if you think about uh, VR and AR like an application, like building a website, uh, you know, in 1999, there, it took a team of software engineers a few years to build a website. 2019, you can build a website on your phone while you're on the toilet, actually. And uh, there's 20 years of tooling in between 1999 and 2019. We're building the same set of tools for AR and VR. So those are things like design tools that uh, people that can't code can use, all the way to back-end infrastructure like multiplayer, so that you can uh, have this set of building blocks that you can plug into any application and quickly enable a bunch of functionality that you would have had to create uh, custom otherwise. So using one of the innovation buzzwords, you're, you're democratizing the use of virtual reality. That, and is a, reality. that is a really good buzzword, Chris. Gotcha. Uh, so Doug, uh, what made you think of this, uh, of this product? Well, first of all, Joe, thanks for using my analogy for making a website on the toilet. Uh, <laughs> I said that to you this morning, and I heard you say it to one of the generals today. It so was I'm, good. I'm, I'm proud of that. That's good. Uh, no, where the, where the idea for this came from was currently at the... KC-10 formal training unit, we're using a lot of outdated videos and and PowerPoint presentations with information that is no longer valid. And so we're trying to find a way to to bring better content and uh, high fidelity training to the students. Uh, The the videos were filmed 30 years ago, so they're very grainy. You can tell that they were moved over from VHS tape. So what we did was we reached out to Delta Airlines. They invited us down for a week, and and we got to see what their training department does with the use of videos and and how it's actually removed some of the the length of training for the pilots because they're proficient going into the sim before they even start. 
So what we did was we leveraged the SIF funds, so Squadron Innovation Funds, and we were able to purchase some, some video equipment. And we were originally going to do it ourselves. And then Chris was the one who kind of match, matched us up, a, a matchmaker, if you will, with, with Sketchbox. So we were able to take our footage, our content, give it to Joe and his team, and then he's able to turn it into a usable training platform where we can put graphical overlays, we can put quizzes, we can pretty much put any content, any information in there that we want, that we want to really get home to the user. So I can take a student who has never seen air refueling, who's never done a touching you on the airplane, I can run them through multiple scenarios before they even get in the airplane so it removes some of the stresses and, and that, that first look surprise, if you will, uh, before you're 50 feet behind a, a, another 500,000 pound airplane. So you're essentially desensitizing uh, air crew uh, to a situation before they actually see it in real Oh, absolutely. And we're replacing some of those old photos. So the way that I would teach right now is I would take our, our Dash 1 or 3-3, which is the techniques and, and tactics book, and I would just flip through some old photos that were taken from the sim 20 years ago. So replacing that with real real life um, scenarios where in, in a 360 environment, the student can sit down and they can see the entire thing from start to finish in the same amount of time that it would take me to flip through the photos. So Joe, to you, uh, what were your initial thoughts when approached by the Air Force uh, and us in terms of working uh, on this problem set? Uh, was it easy? Was it, uh, you know, I, I think I think we can all say it's been rewarding so far, mm -hmm. uh, just based on the video that I have uh, showing behind me and seeing uh, folks as young as junior RTC cadets to generals uh, and, the, and the ease of use of this product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we were excited, uh, first of all. Um, our second reaction was, this can't be that complicated. Building the C5 SIM, this has got to be pretty straightforward. And then we got in there and started chatting to uh, some of the loadmasters and the, the chief uh, trainers and realized just how complicated uh, this was. And um, the difficult part not being in necessarily building the application, but in translating and taking the knowledge that the trainers had and putting that into an application because there's so much there. And I think even now with this, this demo we've built, we've only truly scratched the surface. And as we build out the other modules, we're going to learn a lot more. Uh, but we were just really... Uh, kind of impressed with how much went into operating one of these aircraft. So if this is scratching the surface, I'm really excited for the next 13 months period of performance <laughs> because, you know, we had the C5 uh, FTU down from Lackland who, you know, wanted this product uh, today, actually wanted me to give them the link to this product today so they can start training brand new Loadmaster students on it. Uh, and then we had folks from uh, the pilot training, one of the pilot training wings, uh, I believe Columbus Air Force Base, uh, also wanted... Uh, you weren't around, uh, you were busy doing something else, but uh, they wanted the product as well. So there's a lot of excitement uh, coming around. Um, so Doug, to you, um, kind of a, uh, maybe a jab at uh, other folks in the innovation ecosystem. So there's multiple avenues, right, to solve this problem. So like, did you guys go to CPI first when you had this problem? Or were you, you know, wh what were your initial thoughts with this? No, honestly, we uh, we didn't because we we knew that if we did, it would it would slow the process down. And 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 the whole idea of this thing is, you have an idea, you can reach out to those industry partners, you can leverage the the SIP funds, the SEBR funds, etc., and you can get it done quickly. So uh, a, a prime example of this is one of the videos we noticed there was something wrong with it, and yesterday I reached out to Joe, brought it up to him, and he reached out to his team back in Silicon Valley, and they 
fixed it overnight. That's just not something that's possible using the old avenues of, of acquisition and, and uh, even going back to CPI. So you mean you didn't uh, put a bunch of post-its on the no wall to solve this walls. problem? No post-its on the walls. We oh, used a gotcha. whiteboard, took about an hour, kind of mapped it out, and uh, <laughs> we went from there. So one of the things we do at Spark is really find the problem statement, right? So a lot of airmen come to us, and a lot of the times what they bring to us isn't the actual problem. So that's one of the things we did, and we worked with Doug and his team to make sure that uh, what they were trying to achieve um, was aligned with things that were out there already in, in the commercial space, right? So when Sketchbox came to us uh, via the Industry Collider event, we knew immediately that it was a match made in heaven. And I think based on the first two months of products that have been uh, coming out, I think that's that's definitely true. And uh, we're very excited uh, to, to continue seeing uh, the projects uh, come to fruition. Can I can I add a personal note? So I, I would say if, if you told me two years ago that as a mid-level, senior-level captain, I would be given the keys to do something like this, to create to the point where I really have very little oversight. I, I'm allowed to run my team the, the way that I want to. I have to check in with the OG, with the wing commander from, from time to time just to give them updates, but I don't really ever feel mass amounts of pressure, and I, I can do this the way that I, that I want to, the way that the team feels that, that we should proceed with it. And it's really allowed me to be able to network, to go to these events, to go to ETA, to go to some of the, the other innovation events, and meet other people in the ecosystem. And I, I kind of can make my own schedule that, that way. And um, two years ago, that, that wasn't possible. There was no way that I could have gone to my boss and said, hey, I want $20,000 to buy some, some camera equipment. I want to take extra time away from my job to work on this, to, to sit at a desk in front of a computer doing video stuff every day, getting to go fly, film, and then edit and, and get the content out. So that's been really cool to have that support from the Air Force, from the senior leaders to say, we love what you're doing, run with it, and we're not going to give you a whole lot of oversight. So that's what makes uh, the Small Business Innovation Research, the SBIR, our super program, so beautiful, right? Because you get to work directly with the CEO of some of the best-in-class startups, especially with our close proximity to Silicon Valley. And you have captains and sometimes lieutenants, and we have senior Ameren working directly with the CEO of a company to prototype the exact product you want. So it's not a clunky program delivered five years later, too late, too heavy, and not what the warfighter is looking for. Uh, when the warfighter tells the CEO that it's not what they're looking for, the CEO can make the change in hours versus years. So I think that's the beautiful part uh, of this SBAR program. Uh, so Doug, over to you. So, you know, back to what you were saying, it's really not, you know, we're really getting away from, from folks who are working on projects uh, and maybe getting their green belt certification for maybe a bullet on a 1206, you know, to get, to get an award. Uh, I think the innovation space that we have and the culture we have at Travis really attracts folks who really care about the problems uh, in their work center and problems that it's affecting them on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my team is, is filled with people who reached out and said that they wanted to be a part of it. It wasn't forced on anyone. And if, if there are people who just don't want to be a part of the team anymore, then, then we, we let them go. Uh, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's 
it's just one of those things where we, we need people who are hungry, who want to be a part of this ecosystem, and who really excel and, and thrive in, in, uh, in being part of it and bringing a lot to the table. And, and we're constantly in flux with who we bring on and who we use for the program. And it's, it's all people who really want to be here and, and are excited to work with it. And not, not a single person has forced anyone to be part of this team. That's awesome. And along those lines, Joe, you know, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, how, what, is, what has it been like working with the Airmen? And uh, what's your experience been so far? Yeah, so I think we're early into this process. Uh, but it's been one of the most rewarding experiences I've had uh, working with anyone. Uh, in another life, uh, my previous company, we started off with different ambitions but ended up building tools for advertisers to create ads. And, you know, after a few years of that, you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and you say, what the hell am I doing with my life? And uh, getting to come to the Air Force Base and work with Doug and work with Joey and work with Tim and the rest of the team, uh, you have these people that have problems and they just want solutions. And they want solutions because it actually affects their life. If they're in a C-5 and the C-5 needs to do an emergency landing and they don't know how to deploy the slide, they and all their friends are going to die. Uh, and there's not much more rewarding than working with people that are passionate about solving real problems um, to solve them really quickly. Awesome. Uh, so if you have any questions about the SBAR program or any of the virtual reality uh, projects that we're working on, you can reach out to us at travisspark.org or even reach out to us on Instagram at phoenixsparktravis. Down at ATA, we got a chance to talk to uh, Mr. Chris and Major Dave about talent management and, and how do we innovate in that space. They're standing up uh, Air Force Personnel Center's uh, Rated Airman Engagement Branch, which is a brand new initiative uh, at AFPC to improve airman retention. So uh, let's now go to uh, clip number two. All right. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Major Chris Fernandez at the 2019 Airlift Tanker Association Convention in Orlando, Florida. Uh, with us today is Major Dave Kim and Mr. Chris Hornberg from the Air Force Personnel Center Rated Engagement and Retention Branch. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Chris. And uh, if you guys could just quickly talk about this new uh, Rated Engagement and Retention Branch that's been stood up at AFPC and kind of what the impetus was that, for that was. Yeah. Well, thanks. First off, thanks for giving us the time to just chat with you a little bit about talent management and retention. Uh, so the Rated Engagement and Retention Branch was a part of uh, the Airman-Centric Delivery Model that General Golfing had a vision for uh, last year at the Air Crew Summit. So basically, he wanted a team to be able to go out and to be able to proactively and uh, individually engage with folks out in the field so that we can increase our, our retention. So the evolution of this was we had that go do. Uh, we had um, a contractor that came to help develop it. So Booz Allen Hamilton was contracted to help us develop this. Uh, so we just completed um, about a year-long study into this issue of, of retention and what AFPC can, can do to help out with that. One thing to keep in mind about this is that the, that the um, Airman-Centric Delivery Model concept isn't just an AFPC. Uh, AFPC doesn't have the primary role in it. It's a, it's, a, it's a culture that we're trying to change, we're trying to spark and, and, and sustain a culture of proactive and individualized outreach. So, man, that's, that's impressive because I have the slides in front of me and you don't, and you pretty much just read what it says here. And I'll just read it to our audience here. Uh, so what is the Airman-Centric Delivery Model? It says here, Spark which I love the word spark because we're Phoenix Spark here. 
and sustain a culture shift within Air Force to provide proactive and individualized engagement to experienced rated officers prior to reaching critical career milestones to increase retention, quality of life, and quality of service. So we had just talked offline about increasing quality of life and quality of service. So what things uh, are you guys looking at in terms of this culture shift? So we'll, we'll first talk about the culture shift, which is the first part of this uh, kind of uh, mission that you have here that's underlined. Yeah, so the culture shift isn't something that was just started you know, last year with the Air Crew Summit. Um, in the last couple of years that I've been at AFPC, I've definitely seen a shift in culture within our organization to be a lot more customer service centric, uh, to be more agile to what airmen and their families um, need uh, in order to encourage them to continue their rated service. So this is something that predated the go-do, where, where we were engaging with folks from the assignment side of the house to see where we can help, uh, where we can help uh, specific airmen. Now, to help us move forward with the, with the culture shift, it's not something that AFPC can do on its own. On its own. When it comes to the culture shift, I, I mean, who actually uh, is able to have the most impact on culture? The squadron commanders. So squadron commanders have the responsibility to make sure that they are able to change the culture within uh, within their units to um, help improve quality of life, quality of service. So Chris, uh, can you speak a little bit more about the target audience that you have for this in terms of the individualized engagement piece? Absolutely. So what we have figured out now is we can't save somebody with a, is at the, the is at the ten year mark. Uh, you know, past their at their pilot training commitment, uh, we've got to get after them as their a captain, and then three to four years out from that mark, once they've made the decision to uh, leave the service, it's too late at that point. So we're really focusing in on uh, young captains, and then folks at about the three and four year prior to their commitment. Um, and not just a one-time deal. It's, it takes continuous follow-up uh, across the board. So, and we're also we're, we're talking to a lot of people out here, some senior leaders, and trying to gauge what they think is important and who we should be going after as well. Gotcha. Um, so another part of your mission here is, you know, as you alluded to, rated officers pri- prior to reaching critical career milestones. So, what kind of metrics are you? I think you said you've been working with Deloitte. Uh, so what kind of metrics specifically are, are you guys looking at? Are you guys data mining? Are you guys using AI? Yeah, so uh, we were working with Booz Allen Hamilton. They helped us start all this stuff off. Uh, when it comes to figuring out the career milestones, we, we definitely understand that the milestones are different for everybody. There are some that are... Uh, there are some that are pretty much consistent for everyone. For example, a career milestone is when you reach your UPT ADSC. That's going to be constant for everybody. Um, another one, for example, is when you're eligible for IDE, for example. Not everybody has um, has a goal to go to IDE. So for certain officers, that is a milestone that is important to them. But others, it's not. And that's okay. Um, other milestones that we're talking about are... Uh, you know, a big shift that happens to a person is probably when they get married or when they have kids or when their kids are getting to school age. Uh, so 
it, it varies by person. And, and so because it is so individualized, that's that's where it's so important to get to move away from just blanket policies and to get more towards individualized uh, attention to, to meet the needs of the airmen. So there's a lot of officers out there. And there's you guys also have manpower challenges at APC. So before I ask Chris about the USA flood model, Dave, if you could just kind of uh, address that piece. Yeah, definitely. So um, because our office is, the intent of our office isn't to be at the forefront of, of all this engagement, we definitely want to maintain the trust. I like to call it the trust triangle uh, between the, the squadron commander, the assignment officer, and the officer themselves. Right? We don't want to um, interject to the point where we break down the trust and essentially we don't want to become a vending machine of, of, of wants. Uh, so we need to maintain that trust. So what we're what we are trying to do and what we've been approved is to increase the manning uh, at AFPC for our assignment officers uh, so that they, are, they have the bandwidth, they have uh, the hours in the day to answer phone calls, respond to emails, call, call out to squadron commanders, to individual officers, um, things like that. Right now, or in my experience of being an assignment officer, most of my, um, most of my duties and, and, and the way the furthest I was really able to project my thinking in terms of managing uh, a community really went from assignment cycle to assignment cycle, so about six months at a time. What we're trying to do is to give the resources to allow the assignment officers to be able to think further out, think more strategically, because that's going to shape how they interact with commanders and the advice that they give in terms of planning. And that's going to shape how they interact with, or to be able to have time to interact with officers individually uh, as well. Well, I'm glad you're part of this new initiative because uh, being a former KC-10 and, and now C-5 guy myself, you've pretty much been my uh, assignment officer up at AFPC for, for a majority of my career. And uh, I, I do think, you know, a lot of the quality of life and quality uh, of service improvements uh, have stemmed from your ability to really um, give officers, you know, a, a voice. Um, so, Chris, uh, if you could just address uh, the USA flood model that we talked about offline uh, that stemmed from the 2018 Air Crew Summit. Yeah, so at the Air Crew Summit, Chief of Staff came out and said, I need you all to go out uh, just like the USAA does, if there's a flood, they are on the ground the next day writing checks to, and helping people out. And not only that, they're there before the flood because they, they they see that coming. So we have seen this issue coming for a long time uh, with, you know, the airline hiring and everything else. So we are trying to be proactive and getting after officers uh, at certain critical points in their career where we will go put that card table down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, just like USAA would uh, with their members. Gotcha. And looking at your slide deck, it says here, Rated Engagement and Retention Branch, in quotes, the ER. I'm guessing that it refers to the emergency room, and this kind of relates to that. Yeah, a little double entendre with the emergency room and engagement and retention. Absolutely. Well, uh, before we wrap up here, uh, do you have any parting words uh, for uh, all of the officers out there that you know, uh, fall into your engagement zone. Yeah, I would, uh, don't wait for us to call. We, we are happy, uh, reach out at any time. Uh, we're on the global. Uh, if you've got something to say, something that will be able to help us, uh, absolutely reach out. We also, we monitor, uh, the field at 
you know, symposiums such as the Airlift Tanker Association. We monitor Facebook feeds. Uh, so uh, keep the feedback coming. We're listening. Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. That was great. Um, I, I think the other thing I would add on to it is to just for the officers that are that are out there listening to this, um, please continue communicating with your commander, communicate with your assignment officers, um, and and you know not only communicate your desires and things like that, but also think uh, think on the um, other other end of the spectrum too, because there are require real requirements out there that that we need to meet because we. We have a mission. We have some kind of objective that we're trying to meet. So we need to keep that in mind, balancing that out with uh, the needs of uh, your needs as, as an officer. Uh, but if you don't have that honest conversation with people, whether it's your commander or your assignment officer or your mentors, it's going to be really difficult to to help you uh, as a as a person if we don't know. So there's yes, there's some risk in there with uh, with trust because you're going to have to go out on a limb to, to trust, whether it's trusting your commander, trusting your assignment officer, or trusting our office, right? Because we may not know each other, but, but that is going to be a critical piece in making sure that we're able to retain the talent in the workforce. So a question for, for both of you, and either of you can feel this. Because you guys are at the Air Force Personnel Center, uh, you obviously work across MAGCOM. Do you guys have any initiatives or any plan to kind of get best practices from different MAGCOMs? Because we know, you know, maybe perhaps AFSOC retains its folks better than AMC. And I'm, I don't know, I'm just throwing that out there. But uh, is that something you guys are looking at? Absolutely. So not only other MAGCOMs, but we're work, working closely with the Aircrew Task Force uh, and half A3T. Um, you know, just a few weeks ago, we heard that General Miller is reaching out to officers, and I looked at Dave and said, she's helping us do our job. So, yes, we are reaching out, trying to find those best practices. This this isn't something new. You know, there have been many uh, ACSC pick, uh, papers written on retention and that kind of thing. So, uh, we are going out and actively trying to get the best information from the, the best sources, uh, and th th that's the people on the ground. And as a parting shot from uh, Phoenix Spark, I'd just like to uh, kind of give a shout out to a book that I just read recently uh, by Laszlo Bach. He's the chief of Google's uh, talent management. It's called Work Rules, Insights from Inside Google that will transform how you live and lead. Uh, and I've learned a ton about how uh, we can take a lot of things that Google does to improve how we retain uh, our best talent. Uh, so thanks, Chris and uh, and Dave, for uh, really being our first uh, interviewees here at uh, 2019 ATA. Thanks. Great. Thank thanks, you, Chris. Chris. Airmen, we look forward to you joining the Spark Revolution. Visit our website at travisspark.org and check out what we're up to on our Instagram at Travis. Hit the follow button and we'll catch you on the next episode.